Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome everybody to the last lap podcast. The only podcast that's thinking about the winter and thinking it's much abu about nothing. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's a way to sign off a season, isn't it? <laughs> With a terrible, <laughs> terrible pun. Uh, <laughs> well, as I said, welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Andrew Pearson. Alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Sean Gray. Hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Short and sweet, as always. Um, so, yes, season final race. Uh, but not our finale of the season. We will be coming back to you in a, in a week or two's time with our uh, season review episode with hopefully uh, two, maybe even three guests at this are we, current time. Yeah. Are we going to have enough time to cover all the Pastor Maldonado crashes? I'm not sure. I don't know if we're going to have enough time to do that. <laughs> we, might have to, we might have to do a special episode <laughs> dedicated to quite how uh, uh, flying carbon fibre filled his season was this time. But uh, oh well. Um, <laughs> that, that can definitely get us through the winter break. <laughs> Going to put a YouTube montage together or something. <laughs> I don't have the time to edit that much footage. <laughs> um, so yes, Abu Dhabi. Uh, the season finale, uh, as it has been for the last couple of seasons, they do keep trying to move it about to try and make sure it's where the title gets decided. They've only managed to do it once so far. Um, they had to put double points on that race to make sure it happened. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they're going to have the much luck. The less said about that, the better. <laughs> well, indeed. Um, not a track that we're particularly enamoured with, uh, it has no. to be said. No. But, um, well, there you go. You can't like absolutely everything in Formula 1. Um, apparently me and Sean don't like very much in Formula 1 these days, <laughs> but there you go. <laughs> I know we're not alone on that score, at least. It's not uh, just Formula 1. I seem to seem to be mourning about everything. It'll be my New Year's resolution <laughs> to come back with a positive attitude. <laughs> well, I, I was going to make some kind of Scottish quip then, but I've been doing exactly the same thing, so it would be a bit unfair. Um <laughs> Yeah, uh, it wasn't wasn't the best. Uh, was it? <laughs> no, it it was a bit of a tale of the season, really. All of the the action going on was pretty much happening behind the front two, um, mm. uh, and everything else was, uh, yeah, it was second place to what we were hoping would have been the sort of first place story, really. I guess, which is two people challenging for a race win, and we just never got it. We haven't got it all season, and the you know final last, the the final lap of the f- final race of the season proved to be exactly the, as it has been in ninety nine percent of all of the races this season. Yeah, um, qualifying saw Rosberg get was that six poles in a row, six consecutive poles at the back end of the season, which for you know people will say oh Rosberg you know, Rosberg Lewis maybe closely matched in the race, but you would always think that that Lewis's one lap speed would be what would give him the edge over Rosberg. Uh, and then it's just it's not been the case for, for six six races on the bounce now. I think that's his, it's that it's definitely his, his best run of his career. And I think it's some other, sure, already tied another record or something with that. Maybe the most in a row for uh, Mercedes or something. I don't know. I can't remember. But uh, he, yeah, what brilliant. Uh, from Rosberg, where was this Nico at the start of the season? The yes. first ten races or whatever, I think is what everybody's been been saying. Could definitely have used him just a little bit earlier. Um, I guess the the story from um, qualifying really was 
the uh, loss of um, Sebastian. Sebastian. Yes. Um, <laughs> I can't remember what happened with him. Was there a... Oh, they they thought he was safe, didn't they? Didn't yeah, they? So he a, aborted his last lap, and then it's it just a qualifying, to... uh, you know, an old school qualifying doodah, wasn't it? From the team at the end of the day, just a a, a poor poor uh, judgment. Yeah, so <clears throat> uh, we lost him and um, Fernando Alonso. I felt very very sort of upset for, given that um, given his teammates qualifying sort of position um it clearly could have done a, a lot better than 17th uh, at this race which they hasn't been able to say very much throughout the season um but um Sergio Perez in fourth I guess was probably the the standout there I've never really thought the Force India went particularly well around Abu Dhabi um but uh both qualifying and race I, I guess kind of proved us wrong there so i wonder if force india are feeling particularly buoyed going into the winter the winter period they've certainly finished the season off quite strongly um nico hockenberg obviously had a good race in brazil and and they've done quite well here again so for a team that we've kind of been saying all season doesn't have the sort of the financial clout to develop the car throughout the season you'd think they maybe have tailed off towards the end of the season, but it kind of hasn't been the case. It's been the opposite of that. So, you know, fair play. Yeah, you wonder kind of what that's that's all about. You wonder if they've if they've done something radical to the car or whether maybe they, you know, they're just now getting the benefit of that Mercedes engine. Because um, they seem to have really pretty much pulled a hunt in front of the Red Bulls for the last th- three races, you probably would have said, wouldn't they? They were... Um... That's who yeah, they were I'm dicing with, rather than you know struggling to pin down exactly what what it is that's caused that. Maybe they're just getting a bit. Maybe the cars always had the pace, and you know you had that spell of Hulkenberg crashing it a few times and stuff. And maybe now they're just finally getting to the end of the race and we're seeing what's in the car. Could be, could be. That's a good point. That's a good point. Because Perez is, you know, he's he's got a he's got a shunt in him as well, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Maybe we've just the the odd incidents that they've been caught in has maybe taken the shine off what's actually a pretty decent car. At the end of the day. Well, yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe we we should be not quite so pessimistic looking at what their season could be. Uh, you know, next time around, um, certainly finishing stronger than what we've kind of really considered the best of the other Mercedes teams. Williams, it, it seems Williams have definitely been on a a very rocky roller coaster for the last. The last few races, um, so a lot of the, a lot of the virus problem seems to be self-inflicted. After well, that. yeah, and again, this <laughs> they're race just, was they're like a masochistic team, aren't they? They just keep <laughs> shooting themselves in the foot all the time. It's so frustrating if you're a fan. And like you say, this this mistake uh, this weekend, no different with the Bottas incident. So let's let's talk about the race then. Um, obviously, we had uh, Nico finish ahead of Lewis. Um, we had more of the radio tantrums that seem to have, have been the hallmark of Mercedes this whole entire season, really. One way or another, yeah. Um, whether it's I mean, Nico or whether it's Lewis, they both seem to have gotten into the habit of making statements across the radio. It seems. 
Um, I mean, the, the problem is the same problem that we've discussed uh, a few times now, is that it seems to be whoever gets to the first corner wins the race. Uh, that was again evident this weekend. Nico gets a great start, really got off the line brilliantly. Lewis didn't even have a, an opportunity to attack him. Lewis is in second place. And at that point, you're thinking, well, that, that could be it, you know? And, and in the end, it did prove it did prove to be the case. Obviously, the interesting thing was Lewis taking this slightly different strategy. What did you make of that? You know, because we had Lewis stay out uh, much longer in the second stint with the with a view to attack towards the end of the race on fresher tires, but kind of just didn't work out, and and Lewis never had uh, he was too far back to make any use of having fresher tires because. You know, he was losing a second a lap, staying out longer earlier in the race. So what did, what did you think there? Um, well, it, I think it shows again this silly silliness of Lewis saying, oh, the tyres feel good, you know, let me do this. And then, you know, within five or six laps, it gets proved to be incorrect, you know, and the, you know, the people who were crunching the numbers have a better idea. You know, it happened in Mexico, but... Um, the team ordered him to come in, so he did, so he didn't really see it. And I think... I mean, they practically ordered him to come in again here. Well, really. I... <clears throat> and it's probably just as well they did, otherwise I think he'd have ended up looking really foolish. And, you know... The thing is, he probably would have held on for a second. Well, he, yeah, he finished nearly a pit stop ahead of, of Kimi, give or take, uh, and how hard he was pushing towards the end when he realised he wasn't going to catch Nico. I don't know. But... um. I just, you know. It... What did you make of the actual strategy call away from Lewis? Well, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I think it was a bit of a, you know, all right then, Lewis, if you, if you think you want to do something different, we'll do something different. We won't give you the optimum strategy. We'll give you something different. It's not at the undercut because we can't do that because that's, you know, not what we said we'd do. But if you want to try something different, that's fine. You stay out on those tyres and you come in later and see if having fresher tyres gives you any advantage to make up the time that you lost. But you know that's not going to happen. Um, it's very rare that the time that you lose when your tyres go off is offset by, you know, is actually probably more than the, the time you make up being on slightly fresher tyres near the end of the race. Um, there was some question about as to why he didn't go on to the softer of the two tyres. Um, and I can't remember why they didn't whether they just felt that the other tyre was um, the better race tyre or when he pitted the super softs weren't or the soft tyres weren't going to last until the end of the race. I don't know. That seemed odd, but Mercedes said that that was partly Lewis's decision as well. So I'm kind of just putting that to one side and just going, well, that's that must be... That must be correct, you know. I mean, it must be that um, that that was the best tire to go onto at, at that point. But I think the decision to keep him out and give him something different was pretty much to show him when we tell you that the tires are going to run out. We mean the tires are going to run out, not that you know we're lying to you to keep you behind your teammate. That that's how it came across to me, anyway. Yeah, it was a bit of a just just seemed like a bit of a nothing strategy from from uh, the Lewis side of the garage. Like either you either commit and and try and 
do the less, you know, the one less stop, or you have to pit around the same time as Nico. But doing the the sort of ten laps later thing that they did, you were just it was just never going to work. You were never going to make up the time that you were losing on the older tires. It's just it, it, the writing was on a wall from a long way out. It was strange. Uh, as for Lewis, well, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to criticize him too much for his uh, his radio comments because you know anything can be said in the heat of the moment and stuff. You're trying trying to win races. So I don't know what it's like to be driving a a two hundred mile an hour Formula One car and trying to discuss strategy on the radio <laughs> at the same time. It can't be easy, but yeah, it's the kind of thing that you don't really expect from you know your world champion team says do something, you do it. You know, but hey ho, indeed. Um, <laughs> two drivers who seemed quite happy to do what the um, team was telling to do was Kimi Raikkonen and Sebastian Vettel. Um, being on different strategies, obviously with Sebastian coming from so far down the grid, um, it was interesting to see quite how nicely he played. You know, the the team game with Kimi. Do you know what I mean? When they when they came up, he didn't do anything to, you know, let him through quite happily. Just, he was just he? like, "Yep, that's fine. You go through and." You know, do what you're doing. Even if, if I'd held you up here, I could have, you know, perhaps managed to slow you down enough to to make it more of a race at the end. So, um, I think uh, Seb's quite happy with with Kimi as his teammate because he he knows he's good enough to play second fiddle when he needs him to. But also, I think he knows that he's got the beating of him quite comfortably over the course of a season. Uh, so I think that I was probably quite quite pleased. It's a bit like when he had Weber, you know. Although maybe maybe Weber gave Weber gave Vettel a, a bit more of a a run that, than than Kimi has this season. Uh, so it's maybe being a bit a bit unfair on Mark, but I think he Vettel Vettel knows he's kind of got best of both worlds here. He's got a decent rear gunner when he needs him, and he's got someone that he can. You know, he's pretty confident in his ability to beat him. So. It all seems quite well at Ferrari. I think. Yeah, and and I think the one thing you have to say about Kimi is that he he doesn't. Although you know, obviously, as from a PR point of view, in his interviews and stuff, he can be a bit, you know, difficult. I don't think he's a difficult driver. I don't think he causes teams headaches. No, I agree. 100% I think he's agree. just chilled enough to just get on. Team uh, says do something. He'll gen- he'll do it. You know. He's, yeah. He's, He'll just go, okay. <laughs> Can you know it is he's he's amazing little oh, uh, Icelandic accent. Uh, not Icelandic, Finnish, sorry. <laughs> Fraudulent Icelandic, where'd they get that from? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um <laughs> So yeah, it all seems pretty good with Ferrari, other than their engine being twenty seconds or a race slower than uh, the Mercedes. If they could sort that out, <laughs> that will be will be delighted. Hopefully that's what the winter's for. We'll see. Uh, reasons to be optimistic. And a good race from Seb to come through the field, you know. That Ferrari is clearly the second best car on the grid behind the Mercedes. And even though they blew it in qualifying, you'd still expect him to come through from that position. Uh, not with not with, not with ease, but, you know... It's, you should expect it to happen, and it did happen. Vettel did what he what he had to do there, so it was good. 
so on from the Ferraris then is, uh, as we said, the sort of um, Lazarus return to form of um, Force India in the term in the form of Sergio Perez um, coming in uh, fifth this race. Um, he did the. He was running the same kind of um, race as Seb, really, wasn't he? Going very long and then then hoping at the end to, to have the speed, but obviously um, it wasn't, it wasn't enough to keep him ahead of the Ferraris um, uh, at, at this stage. What? I'm trying to think of a way to put this really. Do you think that although the Ferrari is obviously the, the second best car on the grid, do you think they've got the Mercedes dominance over teams like Force India, Red Bull and Williams at the moment? Or do you think it's just a case that um, the Ferrari is where it is and the teams behind it are not, I don't know, d deficient so much as to say not quite as well developed? Hmm. Like the Mercedes is the peak, yeah? Of course. Yeah. So is Ferrari pretty peak or is it just a case that the other teams are so poor? Significantly worse, yeah. That that's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah, it? yeah. I get I get where you're coming at. I, the answer is I'm not sure. Uh it's probably an element of both. To be honest, yeah, I'm just uh, in a way. I'm I'm kind of thinking ahead to next season and thinking. I mean, if you look at it, if you look at the teams around them, they've probably got they're, they're they're comfortably beating the Red Bull because they've got a better engine, and they're comfortably beating the Force India and the Williams because they've probably got a much better and more developed chassis. So they're kind of just like the all round middle of the like they're they're good at everything, you know. They're ju they're just quite good at everything. Whereas Force India have a great engine and Williams have a great engine, but but not as good elsewhere. Red Bull, I'm assuming, <laughs> they probably have really good chassis, but no engine. Ferrari are just pretty reasonable everywhere, and it's leading them to pretty reasonable results, I think. Whereas Mercedes are obviously just great in every department. So they're, so they're on top. So on that basis then... Um... If Sergio Perez is finishing 20 seconds behind a Ferrari uh, that started mm -hmm. in 15th place, is that really a good result? Or is that just, you know, what they should expect given their I think efficiencies? It's what, yeah, it's, I think it's what they should suspect, uh, expect given the difference in budget for a start, which would be the main thing. <laughs> well, yeah, well, of course. <laughs> well, what, what, I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say is, we go. We we've both you know we've both said good form from Force India. Mm -hmm. They've said in press releases that they they were pretty happy with how the season's sort of wrapped up in the end and how they've yep. taken their place in the championship. Um, but is it is it as good a news story as it as it seems to look on the outside, or are we <laughs> are we get, are we sort of almost damning them with with the faint praise of saying good good fifth place. Force India, when we should I, be I just, saying... I, just, I think that's the ceiling that they're ever going to be. So they've essentially won their division <laughs> by coming fifth. 
see. They're never, they're never going to beat Ferrari or Mercedes. They're not like, Champions they League day Europe. No, league. yeah, they just are, and like that's just a fact of life, unfortunately. Unless someone comes into the team with suitcases full of money and so, and changes the name, maybe Aston Martin, for example, mm-hmm. and says we're going to take them to, unless unless they get like a football club being taken over by a, by a foreign billionaire or whatever. This is just their level, and and on this day they've they've won their level, so it's absolutely fair enough to praise them from from where I stand. Okay. Uh, yeah, they're just it's like comparing apples and oranges. They're not in the same bracket as a Ferrari or a Mercedes, or when they've got a half decent car uh, engine. Sorry, the car's probably good. A Red Bull. They're in a different category for me. Okay. Uh, and Williams. Williams are the interesting one. Force India are clearly in a different category. From Ferrari and Mercedes, Williams are the one that 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 could be in the next category. They're somewhere in between, and it's up to them now to say, right, what are we doing here? Are we kicking on, or are we going to stagnate and drop back? They're the ones that you're looking at for the to push on to the big things, much less so than Force India. Force India, for me, are still like the little the little team. You know that if they get to me, I view them as if they get points. That's a good weekend for me for Force India. Okay. So. Yeah, Williams so, is the question mark. So to extend the footballing metaphor, then do do Red Bull really represent a sort of current level Chelsea? In a yeah, sort of... absolutely. That's exactly who they are. They've just they're a great team, great uh, uh, great modern team uh, that have just had a bit of a blip, had a, a very odd spell due to specific problem, i.e. the engine uh, that. I mean, if they re- remedy the engine, and you have to assume the Red Bull will be back because they don't make poor chassis. They don't. They make good aero cars. So remedy like it. Yeah, you know what the problem is. The Red Bull. They're not. They're, it's not like the. It's not like Force India where their entire outfit and their entire team is working to its full potential, and this is as far as they can get. Red Bull have a very specific weak area that if you remedy that, it will make a significant difference. Okay, so a sixth place for fifth place, sorry, uh, a sixth place. <laughs> I can't. I, I I swear I'm saying that with a lisp, but I don't <laughs> know if it's just me. Sixth Danny Ricardo <laughs> place, <laughs> Daniel Ricardo. Indeed, um, we we're looking forward to next year with this unbranded Renault engine. Could be anything, eh? <laughs> well, indeed, it, could, it really could, couldn't it? You you don't know whether it's going to get better, get worse, or stay the same. Um, if it stays the same, you know, are we are we wasting Daniel Ricciardo and and realistically at this stage, Danny Kvyat as well in a Red Bull? I mean, I get what you're saying, but <coughs> oh god, <coughs> oh mate. Is the truth getting stuck in your throat there that sadly they might be? <laughs> I, need to be I need to grab a drink of water. One second. It's possible, dear listeners, that due to the floods, all Sean has to do is reach out of his window with a glass to get a new, a new drink. Shh. Don't tell him I said that. Hello. Hello. Right. What was in? Uh, Danny Ricardo. I had something I was going to say. Oh, yeah. You asked if they were wasting them. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. 
I mean, I get what you're saying about Ricardo, but the question is, there's nowhere else for him to go, really. No, no, I, I kind of understand that. <laughs> I, 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 again, let's you know, let's let's use the the sporting analogy. You know, if Red Bull have ended up becoming Middlesbrough from the '90s, <laughs> you know, is Ricardo and Kvyat, Ravinelli and Janino in a team full of you know um, Phil Stamps? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with you, but I think they're better. The depth, I think they're still better staying there and and hoping <laughs> and praying that that improvement comes. Be- better to be Tidini and Ravinelli yeah. going for that FA Cup run whilst simultaneously getting relegated than to just uh, there's nowhere not be there at all. The only spot you could possibly argue on the grid that that's attainable and better is the second Ferrari seat to Vettel. And I can hardly see Ricardo rocking up there <laughs> next to Vettel after what happened at Red Bull. This uh, yeah, I think I think at this point they still have to sit and see and hope that the Red Bull makes the gains because jumping ship now I think in the long term would still prove to be would prove to be a, a wrong decision. I still I still believe Red Bull will be back basically, and that this is just a slump and they'll they'll, they'll take the pain a bit like the McLaren guys, but still scoring points. You know, <laughs> like the the button in Alonso clearly better than the season that they've had at McLaren, but they're suffering now because in the long run it hopefully should get better. And and it's, and the same goes for for Ricardo at the Red Bull. Uh, this time next season, if they're still not able to ch- even like challenge the Ferraris, then maybe we start saying, okay, is there something else about here? Because Formula One careers don't go on forever. You can't sit around and wait forever. But at this point, definitely you still need to give the Red Bull a chance to turn it around. I mean, only two seasons ago, they were, they were world beaters pretty much. So. Fair enough. Still, still back in the Red Bull horse for now, basically. Okay. Yep. What do you think? Do you I think, I, think I, I think I agree with you. I think it, at, at this point, sometimes you you have to take the uh, you have to take the opportunity that's given to you and not pretend that even if you are better than than what you're being given, that in, entitles you to necessarily you know anything. Um, you know, sometimes you've got to be Matthew Letizia at um, Southampton, haven't you, and be content with being. Exceptional potentially with, you know, not the tools to necessarily uh, fill your trophy cabinet. You Remember know? last season, Ricardo won three Grand Prix as well. Yeah, well, it, you know, it's exactly. It's... So you know, like the Red Bulls. You know, I, I'm, but I'm more worried about Alonso and Button than I am Ricardo. Put it that way. Like, I think, I think, I think um, Red Bull will turn it around. Okay. Just, I'm so used to them dominating that, that I still expect them to turn it around. I mean, like so this Renault engine, this could be anything. So it, we, they could turn up in, in March and, and be like Braun and just blow everybody away. So Nico Hulkenberg finished in seventh. Um, a sort of good high points finish uh, again for him. Um, him and Ricardo had a pretty good little duel in the race. They had a they had a little uh, a, a wee a, a, a wee back and forth. That was one of the more interesting on track uh, 
contract battles that, that, like you said at the start, you know, you look down the field, you you'll find something. That was one of the the better ones. Um, Holkenberg finished ahead of Felipe Massa, being the highest ranked Williams uh, in eighth. Um, I don't really remember what happened to Massa during the race. Um, I mean, he didn't. It's where he qualified. So, I don't know whether nothing happened to him and he ended up where you know where he started because that's. Yeah, I think I think you're probably onto something there. It was a pretty uneventful one for old Felipe, which is normally it's the opposite. Well, <laughs> normally he's finding all that... the trouble, but I think he's just kind of tottered about and done his own thing and. That's really got to be a big letdown for Williams, isn't it, really? Yeah. Well, it, it looks as if they've been done by the Force Indias on pure pace here, and that's a concern, really. Yes, that, that's, that's, that's kind of the, what I'm looking the, at here. Yeah. Is, like, fair enough, the Ferraris, fair enough, maybe the Red Bulls, all you'd expect them to be competing, but getting properly done by the Force Indias, that's when the flag should start getting a bit sort of raised. Roman Grosjean came across in ninth after picking up a couple of places in the last few laps of the race to give um, Lotus a, a points finish in their, what will turn out to be their last ever races, uh, Lotus. Um, yeah, the season is Lotus Mercedes as well, interesting in a way. Going to miss the, uh, the black and gold livery. It was always good to see that come back when it made its first reappearance a few seasons ago. Yeah, yeah, interesting that they made uh, a lot of a lot of leaps uh, with the Mercedes engine in the back of it. Certainly improved them massively on what they were the year before, and they're going to go back to having the Renault engine. So, good luck with that, you know. Um, well, of course, the the previous season they they went for the um, the interesting noses, didn't they? Which yeah, that was was a developmental dead end by quite a long way. Um, in, in in all the cases that's kind of been, and they they sort of redesigned the car back to the way that everywhere else was going. <laughs> so whether that's all coincidence, you know, they put the Merc in and then make an average Formula One car, and you end up with the kind of results that they're getting. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'd like to think that they, you know, they engineered a good solution. Um, Going to be all changed now, though, isn't it? Well, it is indeed that. Going from that team to essentially a team with a budget the same size as Mercedes or more, even potentially. Um, whether that, uh, I, I'm still yet to be convinced that you can turn around a car that quickly. Um, I agree. I don't think it's going to be an open. I suddenly see Renault be a top two or three team next season. No. Um, but, I mean, think when they first came back, when they bought Benetton at the start of the 2000s. It took them a couple of seasons before Fernando Alonso started winning races. So, and, they, and they were starting probably from a slightly better starting point than they will be this time around with the Lotus, which uh, is, well, an, yeah. is an okay car, but not a... Well, the Benetton was, I think it's probably around similar. You about, think? Oh. Yeah, I think the Benetton was a, probably about the same level. Maybe, yeah, maybe a little bit off, but I don't, I don't think there's much in it. Uh, yeah, it took them a couple of seasons, so they, they almost get a free pass next season to kind of do what they want. Uh, Good sign off from 
from Rome, Roman. Uh, you know, it's the only yep. team essentially he's driven for in Formula One. Yep. If Renault turn up next season with a beast of a car, uh, having having taken over the Lotus side and 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 a car that's regularly scoring points in the Haas experiment fails, Grosjean's going to be kicking himself, isn't he? You know, he's jumped ship possibly at the wrong time because I mean. He could have been the man there, French team, French well, indeed. driver. He could have been, he could have been the big man. If, if that, if, if in two seasons' time, say, say next season's a development year for the Renault guys, and then in twenty seventeen, they start really challenging. And Grosjean had stayed; he'd have been their title challenger. He'd have been their flagship guy, the French champion, so to speak. And. And he's jumped ship possibly at the wrong time, especially if it doesn't work out at Haas. I mean, that's a mega gamble. You can understand why Grosjean's decided to take the leap when he did, because it was chaos at Lotus. Nobody knew what was happening. But I just wonder now if he's thinking, maybe I should have stayed. I guess, you know, the the lure's been Ferrari really there with that, isn't it? In that I, I think he hopes it's the back door to a Ferrari seat. True. Yep. I don't think it's going to be because I think when Kimi goes, whether that's next season, which I think it probably will be, um, or and, 2017, yeah. um, I think they'll be looking to get a Ricardo, a Kvyat, a Bottas into the team. Somebody young and hungry. And I know that sounds stupid because I know Roman, Roman Grosjean isn't exactly old, but he's been in F1 longer and realistically achieved less. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, and I know I, that's not his I fault and I'm not blaming saying. him as a driver, but if you're saying we are Ferrari, we need a dynamic second driver to partner, you know, Vettel. Yeah. If one of those other guys is available, you can see them taken. Well, and you have to, and it's Ferrari. So if they, if they are allowed to speak to the drivers, the drivers will seriously consider it, you know, regardless, won't they? Mm-hmm. Um, it's... Yep. No, I get what you're saying, and and if it does transpire that way, I feel for Roman because I like Roman a lot. But I know what you're saying. I just wonder if Haas doesn't really have its stuff together next season, and the Renault looks like it's, you know, going the right way. Whether Roman might try and get himself back in there the following year. Well, that's that's an, another conversation, really, and uh, I've it kind of crossed my mind today when somebody else was was talking about it was. Um... I can't see Pastor Maldonado or Julian Palmer driving for Renault in 2017. I, I agree. I, I think Particularly Maldonado, on Maldonado will go. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. And and Jury's uh, out on Julian. He might turn up and be a revelation, but I'm not totally convinced that he will be. You know, so. there there are there are French drivers in in GP2, not great ones. I would hasten to add, but they're there. You know, um, and the possibility of People like Kevin Magnussen and Stoffel Van Dorn potentially floating about needing drives. Yep. It, it kind of seems to me that there's there's a lot of people who could fill a Renault seat much, much better than both of those guys. Yep, no, I agree. Um, which I've... is a shame for Palmer. I, I feel sorry for Palmer because it means that he's he was chosen as an easy stopgap because he's with the team and... Um, they can but, get know, him in, he, pay him not very much for the one year where they're expecting to just develop the car in it, not be competitive, and so it doesn't matter who's driving it. 
Um, At the end of the day, though, he's got the seat. So well, if, if, he, if he's got one year to show, if he turns up and he, he's, you know, blow people away, he'll probably keep the seat. And even if he doesn't, someone else might take him on. You know, they've got to get the seat off of him, basically. That, you know, that's, he's that's he's got that point. advantage, you know. He's, he's the one that can show what he can do. So Yeah, if he, if he blows away Pastor Maldonado, you're right, then it'll give him the, the best chance he's got to retain the seat. You know, I it, just happen to feel... I just There's just something in me that thinks, you know, Renault go, that's fine. N- next season's a bust. We'll be developing the 2017 car for the real guys. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, like I say, I haven't seen as much of GP2 as I would like, so I don't know how good Palmer is. Well, he won. Um, he beat Felipe Nazar in his season. Nazar's not done too badly. Admittedly, the wheels have kind of fallen off the Sauber. But I'm not blaming that on the drivers. I'm, no, that's just no, a that's lack car, of development. The car so. has not moved in, yeah. in terms of development. Um, but that was the season that Stoffel Van Dorn joined halfway through and still managed to come second. <laughs> so, you know, and that Stoffel Van Dorn who's utterly blitzed GP2 this year, with you know, in, in, in essentially his first full season, is now having to go away and will probably blitz Super Formula in Japan for a year whilst reserving for McLaren. You know, it's it's difficult. I I, I really don't know. I, I think a lot will depend on who who's available. I mean, you can imagine, really, couldn't you, that if if Ferrari do oust Vettel after twenty sixteen, there's a door open for him at, at Renault potentially to to come back and be their experienced driver alongside somebody else, maybe. Um, yeah, you mean Kimi? Did you? Yeah. Who yeah. did I say? Did said I said Vettel. 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 I, mean, I, mean, I know you meant Kimi. I just, nah. Tell me to shut up, Sean. <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, uh, Kimi. Yeah, every chance. However, I, I think if uh, Kimi goes, that'll be it. Oh, yeah, like, I, I kind of uh, feel that as well. But it's just it's just the, the concept that there is. You know, yeah, there's other people out there, yeah. There's another option than a, a total... That's it. You know. I mean, you've got Grosjean going to Haas. You could, you could argue that he's trying to get the Ferrari seat. So if Kimi comes out the Ferrari seat and retires... Grosjean might he might angle for the Ferrari seat, but if then they take a, a Ricardo or a Max Verstappen or someone like that, then 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 that's when I could see Grosjean going, Oh, I came here to try and get the Ferrari seat, but clearly they're overlooking me for younger people. So then I could see him maybe try going back to uh, well, go back to Renault. Just Grosjean, you know, that's Renault was his team. That was the team that gave him his chance and you know, all the way through his junior career and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I just, I, I wouldn't it's, surprise it's When you say that, it almost makes you, it almost makes it seem even more strange that they didn't turn around to him and say, please don't stick go. with it. We are <laughs> going to buy the team. We just can't say it publicly. And if you say it publicly, we'll string you up by the gonads. Mm-hmm. Why yeah. not? It's just that maybe he's just fancied a punt on Haas. Yeah. Well, it just a, ch- a change is as good as a break, you know. You find he's just maybe he didn't feel that under any circumstances it was going to go <laughs> any further. I don't know. Like, who knows? Yeah. Uh, well, let's round out the top ten then with the second of the rebel drivers, uh, Danny Fiat. Um, I'm sure there was something that happened to his race, and I can't remember what it was. Um, 
quite a long way down from his teammate, which hasn't been the case in the last few races. Um, I really don't remember what happened to him. Hmm. Anyway, uh, <laughs> moving on. Um, a good 11th place finish for Carlos Sainz Jr. Uh, in the Toro Rosso. Um, had a good race, some, some good overtaking battles. Um, and a good race to have against you know, Max, who seemed to be a bit all over the place this this race. The, the Toro Rosso guys, like, not, 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 not the drivers, but the team, they just, one one week they're like, they turn up and the Toro Rosso's are, they've got the pace and they're, they're qualifying in the top six and it looks like they could do something and they score double points finishes. And then the next week they turn up and they're just, they just meander about in 12th and 13th and do nothing. It's, they're a funny team, Toro Rosso. This week was more of the latter. No, neither neither the drivers getting any points. Uh, but yeah, look, fair play to science. Uh, outperformed uh, Verstappen. We we've, we've said it a few times, but science deserves you know the credit as as almost as much as what Max is getting for having a, a good rookie season. Yeah, I think um, I think that's certainly the the case um, at the moment. We. We haven't had really a, a sort of side by side pairing in um, Toro Rosso where it's been been quite so equal for a, for a while. Um, I'm glad that we're getting it again next season. How well they'll do based on having last year's Ferrari engine is to be seen, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be an upgrade on the Renault, you would think. Well, you would assume, wouldn't you? But you just don't know how everybody else is going to, you know, go forward. If, you know, if this season's Ferrari is um, still less than the Mercedes and the Mercedes engines that the other teams, other than the Mercedes, get next year is an upgrade on this season's. And, yep. No, I get what you're saying. Honda, you know, pull their finger out and you know design a, a decent engine. Uh, it, it seems like it could be a massive, uh, potentially, um, a, a massive detriment to to be running on an old engine. But I guess you won't know until it's in the car. Um, <laughs> do you? Th- can you see Max being snapped up already? Does before that... before next season. Well, not for next season. Everybody seems to have contracts for next season. But yeah, yeah, by I mean, 2017, two seasons in a Toro Rosso. Yeah, I can definitely see him driving for somebody good in 2017. I don't know who, but I'll be surprised if he was in a Toro Rosso. Okay. But, uh, he seems to have that sort of Sebastian Vettel hype about him that even if it... I mean, I don't, even if he's not justifying it on the track, they're going to put him in the car anyway, kind of thing. Uh, I'm not saying he isn't justifying the track because he has had a good season. But yeah, I think Max could have a, a, several poor races in a row and people would still be talking him up, is what I'm saying. He just seems to have that sort of, everybody wants to praise. He's, 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 the, hot, he's the hot thing, isn't he? He's the... He's, he's the he's the next big thing that no matter they can't do no wrong in the eyes of of some people. Um, he the interesting thing is whether it comes it's all comes it's all going to come down to what Kimi Räikkönen does. If Räikkönen jumps out the Ferrari, 
that's going to have massive ramifications all down the grid. Would Ferrari look to put Max into their car at such a young age? Maybe. Would they take a punt? Would they try and snare Ricardo, which would then free up the Red Bull for Max to go into the Red Bull? It's all going to come down to what happens in that second Ferrari, I think. But either way, I would be surprised. It wouldn't surprise me to see Max one more year at Torosso, and then he'll then he'll be somewhere else. Speaking of somebody who might be somewhere else, as we never know, uh, Jensen Button, first of the lapped cars, which must seem like a massive achievement for um, <laughs> for McLaren in a, in a race where there wasn't lots of retirements. You know, they, they've picked up better results, but probably based on the fact that six or seven cars have crashed out yeah. or it's rained or something like that. So essentially, a a, a, a an actual fought twelfth place. <laughs> um, you know, to be just just over a lap down. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's as good as they were going. They're going to get really in <laughs> circumstances. I think. Yeah, not not a bad not a bad result. Uh, certainly, if, if they're still coming there next season, you'll be a bit disappointed. But yeah, just, I mean, we Jed, know. Jed, Jed's got the most out of that car basically this weekend. I think. Well, absolutely. Yeah. He's not going to get any more than that. He's, he's driven as as good a race as you kind of you kind of expect. Obviously, the the talking point of his and the next person's race was that that pit release. Yeah, I mean, the funniest thing is about it is it didn't really affect Jensen, did it? No, <laughs> he was the one that got you know taken out almost and. Uh, it was the mistake by the Williams guys and with Bottas, and it's them that it's it's the, the, they've made the mistake, and it's just it's harmed themselves more more than anybody else. They've, not only did they have to trundle around with a broken front wing, because obviously the incident happened in the pit lane, so he's then got he can't reverse back up the pit lane. That's a disqualification. So he's had to drive around, come out of the pits, and drive a whole lap with no front wing, which has probably cost them I don't know how much time, but plenty. And uh, and then the cap it, he got a a penalty for the unsafe release. So, double whammy, Bottas's race and 2015 season over, just like that. It was such a weird one, really, wasn't it? But usually when you see those unsafe releases, it's, you know, a, a team behind has released somebody, they come up behind and then somebody gets released into their path, you know, and it's the two cars going side by side up the, the pit lane out. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's the mm-hmm. first time I remembered it being... Somebody's being released as somebody's coming into their box, so you have that crossover, um, which has really got to be the the more dangerous of the two, isn't it? Because if you're, it, they're very lucky, really, that it was front wing to rear tire. Because if it had been tire to to tire, you're smacking a, a car in the pits on the on the rear of their tire and spinning them. But you know, it's okay. It's sixty miles could be, an hour, but they're be chaos, though. Yeah, you know, they're not. Um, Last thing you want is a, a car facing the wrong way in the pit lane. You know. Um, what kind of penalty was it? Was it? Uh, I think it was uh, five seconds. I think it was only five seconds on the thing, which seemed yeah, incredibly seemed lenient. Light, really, yeah. didn't it? And you saw some of the saw some of the other penalties that um, you know were were handed out um, for for what I would probably consider to be um, you know, if 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 Alonso's getting a drive through penalty for his incident, then surely that's got to be, you know, unsafe release has to be a minimum of the same. You know, if if causing a collision 
on track. Yeah, at the end of the day, he's caused a collision with Jensen, whether it's Alonso going into the first corner or it's in the pit lane, he's still caused a collision. So you think the penalties would be... Similar. Of similar, yeah. But it does seem awfully, uh, awfully lenient. But maybe, I don't know whether they took into account the fact that he trundled around with a broken front wing and <laughs> lost a bit of lap anyway. But maybe, maybe they, they, they get, you know, they said, okay, he's, he's kind of been punished. We'll, <laughs> we'll give him a symbolic penalty. Maybe, maybe that was it. I don't know. Who else? Who else then? Just the Cybers then, isn't it? Uh, Ericsson ahead of Naza for the one of the few times this season. Although, um, I think Naza had a bad pit stop or something like that because he was definitely ahead of Ericsson before that point I think um, it's definitely... I, I can't really remember even seeing this out as much really just... never has a team been so undeveloped throughout throughout a season I think it's just they turned up in Australia with a, a half decent looking race car and they're in Abu Dhabi now with exactly the same one. Well, everybody else is a second a lap faster, you know. Uh, yeah. Um, what can you do? You can't really. They don't have the budget, you know. Yeah. So I guess I guess it is it is what it is, isn't it for for them at this point? And just getting to the end of the season is um, some sort of uh, um, win, I guess. Um, and wait and see what winter brings them. Um, That's it. Max Verstappen finishes 16th in the end. He finished 12th originally, but um, had a five-second time penalty for uh, overtaking Jensen outside of the track, um, and then <laughs> a 20-second penalty for ignoring blue flags. Not his best weekend. No. He also, and he, he flat-spotted his tyre. I was about to say that. He stupid. butchered a tyre and had to basically completely change his strategy. It was a proper good flat spot, one of the best I've seen for a while. <laughs> it was instantly straight into the pits as soon as it happened. There was no even any debate that, that, that yeah, that needs changed. That is a no. That is a non-starter. Uh, yeah, not his best uh, weekend. He's had good ones, though, so we'll, we'll let him off. Yeah. Uh, like I was saying about him though, he's just got that he's got that Wunderkid kind of hype about him that people are gonna people are gonna talk him up even when he doesn't have a good have a good weekend. Uh he'll be in a he'll be in a top car before long, no doubt about it. As for his incident with Jensen, that was yeah, the right decision. He did definitely take him uh outside the track limits. Fernando Alonso finishes 17th uh, a couple of laps down um not going to be his favorite way- race weekend realistically with the um the puncture in uh, in in quali and then um incident in the first corner yeah um what did you make of that incident Anthony Davidson swore blind it was Alonso's fault but um I'd rather feel that um I think it was was it Nazar in the Sauber. Yeah, he he comes towards him, doesn't he? Well, it's you know he Alonso is side by side with somebody coming into the first corner. Alonso's on the left, the other guy's on the right. Alonso is going to have to go to the outside. You know, he's going to want to go to the racing line on that on that corner. So he's going to go from the left hand side of the track to the right hand side of the track. So quite why Nazar bothered to poke the nose of his car up the inside into a gap that was quite obviously going to close. 
I could understand if, if he'd gotten, you know, front nose to side pod or, or somewhere where you'd say, right, well, most of his car's right in there. There's no way Alonso should be cutting across. How can he, you know, there's no possible way. But you, you can't tell me that whilst he's concentrating on the guy he's actually racing who's parallel to him, he's also got to concentrate to see whether Nazar has got, you know, um, a little bit of the front wing up behind him. I know the rules technically say as soon as he's got something up there um, and you're not in a breaking point, you can't move over. But it was coming into a corner where it was, it, that was just not going to be a thing. That, that space was going to be, you know, more closed than, I don't know, the insurance brokers of Lewis Hamilton who have probably gone <laughs> out of business now. Um, so I, I didn't get it. I, I thought realistically Nazar should have, um, you know, should have backed out. It wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't one of those, oh, if you're not going to go for gaps, you're not a racer kind of things. It was... Um, <laughs> like the gap wasn't there. Yeah. yeah. It's... it's a first corner, you know. And this that guy's... was odd as well, wasn't it? Really, in in that somebody getting penalised for a first yeah, corner. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, that that's my issue. That's my main issue. It's the first corner, you know. Uh, incidents happen at the first corner. It's twenty cars going into a ninety degree turn at one hundred and fifty miles an hour, all bunched up close together. The guys are only human, you know. Sometimes there's going to be contact. Sometimes there's going to be a spin. I'm I'd loathe to see penalties at the first corner, so that was that was my main issue with it more than anything else. You could go back through history and pick out a hundred different first corner incidents that were probably worse than that yes. that weren't penalised. Absolutely, that way. So. And that that whole stewarding issue is something I think needs to be sorted more, almost more than you know the state of Formula One these days. Um, there is nothing. There's nothing worse, really, than a referee getting a decision wrong. But at least in a game of football, you can say, "Oh, well, they can't stop and take a look and and then start the game again." But you can in Formula One. Yeah. They've got ten minutes to decide. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's not like. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter either. Either the both they go, the you know both drivers go out, in which case they can look at it after the race and it doesn't make any difference. Or if one guy's going, it doesn't matter when you apply the penalty, does it? Realistically. Uh, that's true. You can always take it, tack on ten seconds at the end or whatever. Exactly. So it doesn't. It literally doesn't matter. So why, why, how can they be getting it wrong, or how can they be not necessarily getting it wrong, but how can the decisions be so different, like every single time? It that's just a, that's the that's the inconsistency. Boggles my mind. Um, finishing off the race, then uh, Will Stevens finishes ahead of Roberto Mary by a lap. Um, pretty much sums up. Roberto Mary's season, really. Um, I suspect not, that'll be the last we see of him. Not sure what the point <laughs> of a Roberto Mary is. Um, <laughs> I strongly suspect we'll probably see more of Alex Rossi in the car next season. Um, if they, you know, all being rich, in which case, and that would be good because Rossi provided much more of a, a competition for Will Stevens than, than Mary did. So Is Will Stevens going to keep the seat, though? That's the question. Uh, oh, is he not confirmed? I don't know. I thought he was. I thought there was only one seat left in the Marussia. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. Find oh. out for me, Google man. I'm going to. <laughs> 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 uh, 
No, uh, I don't think it was. Uh, as far as I'm aware, uh, yeah, there's an article dated a couple of days, just a few days ago, it says it's still got both seats to fill. So. Ah, okay. Well, fair enough. Well. And they've got a little list here of potentials, which is Kevin Magnuson, Will Stevens, Alexandro Rossi, Pascal Verlin, somebody called Esteban Ocon, and somebody called Rio Hatianto. So take your two from those five. I suspect it'll probably be Rossi, as you, you said, and then it could be... If well, Mercedes, first, Mer- isn't he, for Mercedes, the Mercedes get their Mercedes get their teeth into it and say we want our guy in there. Could be Pascal Verlin. That could be the one who who gets to drive. It would make sense. Um, I mean, out of that list, I'd either go for Magnus, Magnuson or Verlin. You know. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, out of that list, you say Magnuson's quite comfortably the most capable Formula One driver there, but. I suspect politics is going to play a much bigger part of it than uh, than who's the best driver. Unfortunately. Well, if it, uh, you know, if if having Verlin in the car means you know discount on my, uh, Mercedes yeah. or something, you know, third off your it's engines, they'll it's a no brainer, isn't it? I'm sure they they'd have probably you know put um, spot the dog in the car if it exactly. if it saved them some cash. Um, I mean, <laughs> yeah. The HRT's dead at some point. But it's, well, it's, it's possible. <laughs> it's entirely possible. Um, yeah, no, and no, Pastor Maldonado rounds out the season with a crash. Hooray! Yeah. Love it. Absolutely <laughs> love it. Consistency no is the key thing. in Formula One. I think he's just misunderstood what he needs to be consistent you know, at. This is this is a bit this is a bit sad, but I just googled. Go back to Manor quickly. I just quickly searched for Will Stevens to see if he had uh, he'd been confirmed. And the Google auto like search thing when you type in Will Stevens, it that follows it as pay driver. Poor <laughs> <laughs> Will, even Google knows. <laughs> uh. Uh, so that was the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. I'm not going to ask you to give, <laughs> give me your thoughts on it because rate out of ten. Yeah, yeah. Two out of ten would not do again. Yes. Uh, Something we've kind of said consistently, at least, um, over the last few years. It's just not a good racetrack. It's got nothing. It's no redeeming features for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's just not very. It's not very good. Not very good track at the end of the day. Uh, but uh, it's here to stay. I think you know, plenty of money goes into uh, certain people's pockets to to put this Grand Prix on. So I think we're stuck with it, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Um, hmm. That makes me like it even less. So even if it was a good track, the fact that it's surrounded in that kind of, you know, it's only there because of, because of the money lying in Bernie Eccleston's pocket. So even if it was a really good track, I would still dislike it. Uh, the fact that it's even, it's not a very good track either. Doesn't. Uh, it's just icing on the cake. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> Um, I, I won't ask you too much about the season because obviously we're we're, we're going to do our season finale. Um, yeah. But in quick review, um, if you were comparing this season to say the last, um, let's see, let's go back to twenty ten. 
in the last five years, mm-hmm. where you know it, it, if we're vaguely ordering those, where would this come in? You don't have to order the the rest of them, uh, but just say is it, is it coming? You know, is it is it the this, second best season or fifth? This was better than Seb- Sebastian's last title victory. It was worse than last season. And it wasn't as good as the year Fernando Alonso should have won the world title. Okay, so we're probably saying... So it's about middle of the road of the last few years. Third or fourth Yeah. on the list. It's, it's a bit better than the last couple of Vettel reigns where he was just untouchable, but not as good as last season because it at least went down to, to the wire, Rosberg versus Hamilton. And the year Fernando... Uh, what should have won, led the championship for a long way, and I think lost it. Do you remember Vettel spun uh, at the first corner into Lagos? Uh, it went down to the last oh, yes. last weekend. Vettel was, uh, I, th- I think it was the year Alonso nearly got killed by Roman Grosjean at Spa. Oh yes, yes. Twenty twelve, I think it was. Well, they, uh, they alternated, wasn't it? It was uh, twenty ten was close because that was the year that um, Fernando probably should have won it. Um, then twenty eleven was fairly dominant for Vettel, and then. Um, uh, 2012 wasn't, and then 2013 yeah. was Vettel's. all dominating. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the one where it went close with Vettel and Alonso was better than this, but this was uh, better than the uh, the Vettel dominations. So, yeah, about middle of the road of the last okay. years. Yeah, not as, good as, not as good as last year, you know. This this year, Hamilton's sewing up the title three races before the end. But you, we discussed it at the time that it takes something away from the last few races, and I thought, no, it should be fine. But it, de- it kind of did, yeah, kind of did take something away from the last few races. Okie dokie. Well, yeah, you... I, I, I find it difficult to disagree with you really on on, on any of those points. Um, it, it doesn't deliver what I think generally people expect Formula One to be, which is on track battles. I think we were denied uh, a lot of that this season in a fashion that had been obvious for two or three seasons really mm-hmm. yeah. um, but had been ignored by the, the pundits because it, at the time people felt it wasn't affecting you know their enjoyment of Formula 1 um, we shall see how long that can be maintained as a you know uh, as a way of doing things the sport changed its rules when we felt that team orders was affecting stuff. Whether they can introduce something that forces the garages to operate a bit more separately may be the next thing that they do. I think it, it would be certainly worth more time invested in looking to trying to do that than looking to um, do something to try and uh, make the manufacturers less dominant. I think... I think if you if you force the teams to be more intercompetitive, that provides better and more consistent on track action than trying to invent a, a theoretical engine that even you know that closes the pack up and is cheaper. You know if if Renault and Honda and the, and the Elk can't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I don't know why you think Cosworth is suddenly right on the cusp of creating a, a you know a better engine for half the money it's just 
it's not going to happen. And then you get into the stuff. We'll, we'll talk about it in the news somewhat. But, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure we will. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Uh, I have hopes that 2016 might provide something better than this season. I think but so. I, I, I'm more holding up for 2017 in the hope that you know the next shape up of rules will give us some kind of shake up on the on the grid. It's all about Ferrari for me for twenty sixteen. If they turn up and they're competitive, we've got a season. If they turn up and they're a second behind a Mercedes and in Albert Park, then we're humped. <laughs> yes, yeah, I think that that does pretty much come down come down to it. Um, or what are the other teams? Making a magic leap forward, you know, whether yeah. it's they're a, gonna have a, to make mega mega gains, aren't they? You know, uh, well, you know, Red Bull could do it if there's a if there's a kink that they can work out in the engine. Williams could do it if they finally get over whatever this design concept flaw is that that's keeping them, you know, second, third best. Uh, you know, and obviously, <laughs> technically, McLaren could do it if. Um, if they can sort out their gremlins, it could make things. Whether you know, again, whether they're, they'll necessarily challenge Mercedes is it might be another thing. But there are there are jumps to be made, um, and I I hold out hope, as I do every season, really that we'll see a couple of teams make big jumps. And um, what what I think will happen is I think um, the teams you just mentioned, your Williams, your Red Bull, your McLaren. They'll make gains, but they'll make gains to where Mercedes are now, and Mercedes themselves will make half a second, three quarters of a second gain. So they'll jump, they'll make gains, but I don't think it'll be enough. Whereas I think Ferrari are the only team in a position that could possibly make enough gains to make it competitive. So, like I say, <laughs> all on the boys at Maranello over the winter, no pressure, guys. <laughs> the future of Formula One rests on your <laughs> shoulders. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> So, with the the season of racing done, I guess we should do our, our final recap for in-season of the Formula One news. The Final Lap Podcast News. And, well, with, with it being the... Uh, the off season already, I guess technically. Um, there's not tons of news flying about. Is there anything particular that you've you've noticed, Sean? Well, there's just the uh, the Spygate 2.0. I'm sure you've seen. Well, even that's managed <laughs> to not be all that interesting, really, is it? Um, yeah. a Mercedes employee going over to Ferrari had apparently been taking some uh, data with him, uh, but now he's not going to Ferrari. So I don't, you know. I don't really know what's going on with that anymore. Is it a problem? Is it not a problem? I don't know. Did Ferrari <laughs> actually ever get the the offending data, or is it just noted as a security breach? Do you know what? I hope so. <laughs> I hope they've got all the data. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't realise he wasn't going to Ferrari anymore. Is that uh, that must be a development I haven't seen? Is he? Uh, what is he not going anywhere? Is that? I don't know. Um, I've only sort of vaguely. Uh, I wasn't massively interested in the story to start with, but um, I've just seen headlines saying that he's now not moving. Um, I don't know whether that means that, that... I'd assume that would mean the whole movie's off permanently. Um, but it's so hard to be sure with things in Formula 1. You know, uh, it seems... 
seems a bit of an odd thing to do because surely it sort of um, it pretty much assumes guilt on Ferrari's part really then that they're saying oh well, we best not take him then if he's you know if he's bringing us all of this data um, a bit of a strange one um, yeah uh, <laughs> more to come I think well yeah it seems a bit odd and it's Mercedes are suing the guy so um, so yeah I guess I guess that probably nullifies any contractual agreements that they had with him when they were, said he was going to join but um, there you go a bit a bit odd but there you go um, okay then what do you make of Eccleston's engine campaign then that may be a bit more interesting to you it's not <laughs> um, it, it interests me the least not only for the things that we mentioned previously in that I don't think it's possible to build a competitive engine that actually costs half the price um, but everything I've read about this is that the, also the engine would be of some kind of different spec and that's what will make it cheaper and I don't there's nothing I think I want to see less than the concept of having two different engines in Formula 1 we don't want Formula One Class A and Formula One Class B. No, that's what we, we definitely don't want. That um, you know, it, it works fine for endurance racing to have the different classes of doing different races and all the other bits and pieces. But those races go on for so much longer. You need to have more cars on track. It would endurance racing with like six, um, you know, three Audis and three Porsches driving around, separated by half a mile because the tracks are so long would be so internally dull to watch you, you, you know it's not going to happen but Formula 1 in, you know is so different you can under, you know it doesn't make sense to having that and and if you can produce a cheaper engine that's as good as a Mercedes engine why would anybody buy any other engine well that's true <laughs> you, you know it, it, it just just makes the whole idea of having manufacturers entirely pointless really and um I can't see why the manufacturers other than Ferrari would bother to stay in if the sport itself is actively removing the marketing opportunity of having the best engine in Formula One. And and you have to remember that that's what this is for Mercedes. Um, Mercedes aren't an old school Formula One team in reality. They have no real ties to the sport. This is just, a, in essence, a marketing exercise to say, hey... Are Mercedes cars the best in the world? Better than a Ferrari, don't you know? If the engine can't show that, then what's the point? Yep, no, I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm like you. Just tired of talking about engines. <laughs> yeah. So I'm so glad that the news is a, is the Red Bull deal going to happen or is Renault going to take over Lotus? That's all. I'm so delighted that those stories are done. But what we're left with now is, um, yeah, like you say, not not an awful lot going on. In good news, I suppose, as part of the the ratification of, of next season's race, in season engine development is back on. When it which, was going to be closed off, which is something at least. I'm, it's I'm, not all, much, I'm, I'm, it's... I'm totally behind in season development, more or less in any context. So <laughs> just bash on. Yeah, no, <laughs> Develop your car, boys. Just do what you want. Like, I, I... I guess the most shocking news that I've I've read was Total Wolf coming out in the press saying, um, basically that 
um, if Nico and Lewis don't learn to behave and, and play nice, they could be got rid of. Yeah, that was a I suppose that was the one that that caught my eye. Um It certainly seems to have, you know, it's done what all of these kind of stories do, which is divide opinion, really. Um, it's a, systems a very odd time to make kind of statements like that when they've just won two world championships, drivers and constructors. You know, fair enough, give them a telling off inside if you want, you know, say, look, stop this or someone will need to change in your own privacy or your team meetings. But to come out and say it on uh, on whatever it was, Sky or whatever, seems a little bit, it's, it's just, it's, it's odd. Do you it's, bit odd. it's odd PR, isn't it? Uh, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they got rid of Nico. Well, the way I was just looking, it's just thinking, really, I don't think, if you're going on results, then yeah, then Nico is comparatively the one that's that's going to go, although, you know, obviously the last few races have shown that maybe that's that would be a bit of a rash decision. But if you want to talk about the person that's probably not playing the team game... Yeah, it's without a doubt Lewis. It's Lewis. Yeah. He, he's not being a good advert for Mercedes as a team. It's good for him, you know, um, and I certainly am not somebody saying he shouldn't live his life the way he wants to. Um, but, you know, crashing his Zonda and um, getting caught on camera driving with your mobile phone in your hand um, and all of the stuff on the radio, you know. No, I completely agree, but um, at the end of the day, he's a double world champion. So. But, and here, and here is the thing, you know, if you're Mercedes in 2010, you obviously sign Lewis Hamilton. You don't know how competitive you're going to be. You don't know what kind of advantage you're going to have. So you sign one of the, the best drivers available uh, at the time. Now that you know that your car is 30 seconds quicker than everybody else per race, do you need the aggravation of paying Lewis Hamilton whatever ridiculous sum of money he gets paid uh, a season, you know, that Mercedes have had to pay for him, whilst all he seems to be redoing, really doing for the project is, you know, causing people to, to not talk about how awesome the car has been this season? That's an interesting point because you could easily say that if Lewis Hamilton came out of that car and they put someone like Nico Hülkenberg in there to be their number two driver, without a shadow of a doubt, Nico Rosberg would be the world champion this season. Like, well, I, I, I think, like, I, I think I, at the I, end of the day, if, so if you put is, in a yeah, reasonable driver... You're gonna end up with a Mercedes one two. I'm, you know. Yeah, that's what I mean. Without a doubt, the car's that good that most people would win the world title in it. Is my point. So they don't, they don't need Lewis Hamilton to make in the difference. That car. Yeah. And like then, if, they took, if they took Lewis out, Rosberg wins the world championship this year quite comfortably. Yes. You know, so they could, from that point of view, just say, "Oh, well, yeah, Lewis, you're more hassle than you're worth." will bend you and will still be double champions regardless. Yeah. You, they could do that. I just don't think that they will. I don't, no, I don't, I don't think they could, I just, I cannot see them getting rid of a, 
double world champion, or triple world champion, but double world champion with them. However, the if Nico Rosberg wins the title next season, then maybe... Well, and then you get down to hmm. the point that the 2017 regs kick in and you wonder, by that point, do you want to keep Hamilton in just in case he then becomes something that can make a difference if the Ferraris True. or the Rebels True. catch up with the Rebel, you know, with the regulation changes. Interesting one, then isn't he, it? he might <laughs> he might prove, you know, his money his money's worth at this point. But it's quite clear that the last two seasons pretty much and yeah, I'm gonna say pretty much because you couldn't put Pastor Maldonado in there and expect him to win <laughs> the world championship or or a Will Stevens or a Roberto Mary. But you know, any of the sort of top Top-ish drivers. Well, well, well think of last put... season. Alonso and Vettel both moved teams. They were both on the move. Mm-hmm. So both of them were available to sign. So had they signed either of those. But I think you could have put the World both, champion. You, you no could problem. have put both Williams drivers in those in the, those cars. Yeah. They'd have got the same results. Yeah, no, I agree. And and Hulkenberg. Uh, or Hulkenberg even, and Perez, I think, actually. I think. Even well, definitely Ricardo for certain. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, there's so there's you know there's half a dozen names down the grid that would win the world championship in that car, I don't doubt. So like you said, they don't need the stress Lewis brings, <laughs> but can you imagine the? It would just be insane if they were to get rid of a double world champion. So it just wouldn't happen, you know. Certainly not anytime soon. Um. I think they're still more likely to get rid of Nico. Yes, I mean, I, I think I agree with you. Um, I, I think if, if I think if they thought that Lewis would shut up if they got rid of Nico and it would make everybody's lives easier, they probably would get a, get rid of Nico and then probably get Pascal Verlin in or maybe go to Force India and say, you know, do you want some cheap engines? Then give us Nico Hulkenberg so we've got a German driver. Um, yeah, Hulkenberg was the one that initially came to mind for me for you know a solid. I, I think I think they play swap. second fiddle that that will get score enough points and 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 do exactly what you need to do. They need a German driver in there, and realistically, yeah. that means that Nico Hulkenberg is is at the front of the queue because Vettel's. Well, I don't know what would you do. You know, um, if Mercedes were was prepared to, you know, buy out his contract at Ferrari, I'm. I guess Vettel would go, wouldn't he? Wouldn't he? Wouldn't. I'm not sure he would. I think Vettel's very much one of these drivers with the old old school mentality. That I think that. Didn't know he dropped I, I think, in the. Ah, yeah, no, but I think he <laughs> wants to win the world championship with Ferrari. I think I think he likes the you know he's, he's Schumacher. Schumacher was his idol. I think he's one of these drivers that has a proper lure of Ferrari. It's it's too soon anyway. He's, he's not had enough time to, to yeah. be in the he's Ferrari. He's not had Fernando Alonso's but... five seasons of brutality no. to, to, to make him want to jump <laughs> to off of a cliff. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Give it 2020 and he's still coming third, then he might jump ship. I mean, I, I genuinely think Vettel is one of these, you know, who grew up watching Schumacher. He really wants to to be the man that, that brings the World Championship back to Ferrari. So I don't think he would go. Other, Maybe. Uh, <laughs> but I don't think so. Um, other news. Uh, it's a Hamilton news story, but uh, an interesting one because it's um, it's kind of a little insidery thing, a bit, a bit like hearing about backstage goings-on at, um, at a wrestling event or something, really. Um, 
but uh, Lewis attended uh, was um, supposed to attend, I think, uh, an award show in which that in which there would be Young Driver Awards, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a bit of a sort of unwritten obligation um, that they you know, they sort of they turn up and and greet all the young you know the young talents and, and give them you know a bit of a thrill of, of meeting um, meeting the the current Formula One World Champion. Apparently, Lewis either turned up and then left immediately and, and didn't meet anybody or didn't turn up at all. Um, and Martin Brundle and uh, somebody else, I can't remember off the top of my head, both tweeted their displeasure at really at, at this, which I thought was very interesting because, you know, especially Brundle's been very sort of fiercely pro-Lewis this season, much more so than last season. Um, and it's... It's interesting to hear something like that because it slightly plays towards those rumours that Hamilton is developing a bit of an attitude issue. Mm-hmm. That either he thinks he's bigger than everything else or perhaps two world champions championships has simply made him go, I'm a bit like Mick Ackerman maybe, you know, I've done what I needed to do in Formula 1. There's no, you know... I'd, I'd actually rather be making music or doing this or doing that. You know, is Formula One becoming more of a job for Lewis than his, you know, his dream? Has he, has, think... has he woken up from the dream only to find that actually Formula One most of the time is a bit of a drag? Um, well, if you listen to his, his radio stuff, on he still clearly wants to win as much races as possible. Well, and like, he's still... I think, I think this... he's still really determined to win. I just think it's him thinking he's he's the man now, so he can he can do whatever he wants. I, think... I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I, I think you can you know you can do a job and do it well and want to be the best at your job without loving what you do. Mm. And, I, and that's how I it kind of almost feels like at the moment. Like he he just doesn't he doesn't love Formula One anymore. It's given him all the things that he's needed from it. Do you know what I mean? You know all of the all of the struggle that he put in to get in there in the first place. Um, he's now got the three championships, which you know puts him level with Senna. That appears to be a big thing to him. Has he just now got to the point where he's just yeah, I'm. I don't need the hassle. Yeah, I still just feel like it's just more of him thinking that he's he's untouchable. That's the way I that's the view I get. Like I think he thinks that. You know, I'm double world champion. I'm in the fastest car. I could do whatever I want, and Mercedes wouldn't dare drop me, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's the that's that that you know that's the that's the the way I see it. But I mean, he got a bit like that at the end of his McLaren days, didn't he? With all the posting of telemetry on Twitter and and things like that. So he's he's kind of got form for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, what are you going to do if I do this kind yeah. of thing when he's unhappy? But it seems very odd. You could kind of understand it at McLaren where he you know, he wasn't winning. It seems a very odd attitude to have when you're in clearly the best car on the grid and it's just won you two world titles back to back. Yeah. Lewis Hamilton and Eagle Shocker, you know. I'm just, <laughs> just not really that surprised ever. I, so. I suppose not, no. <laughs> Anything else before we wrap up what's going on in um, the world? There's not massively had anything I've, I've else I've particularly noticed. It's just one of those things, isn't it, where you just get all of the sort of half 
have stories coming through here and there, but um, I sort of don't, I haven't noticed anything that has shocked me as yet. Um, yeah, the last thing was that Mercedes engineer. So, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, no, there's not much else I've noticed. Uh, just silly end of season stuff like Williams disappointed with the end of the season and stuff so like, like that. You know? all, all the obvious stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Some yeah. people happy, some people sad. <laughs> yep, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that will then wrap it up for our uh, final race episode of the season. Um, as I mentioned before, we will be coming back with our season finale episode, uh, taking the same format as we did yes last year, where we'll be having um, at least two, hopefully three, if we can, uh, if I can persuade somebody by twisting their arm a little bit, um, to uh, give their thoughts on uh, the season that has just been, uh, and obviously you'll hear Sean and I's thoughts as well. Um, but in the meantime, just make sure that you are liking us on Facebook. Just search for The Last Lap Podcast and uh, like the page to uh, keep up with any news stories we share or things that we want to say. Um, and talking of things that we want to say, we often use Twitter to do that as well. So you make sure that you follow us on Twitter at Last Lap Podcast. The website, as always, is www.lastlappodcast.co.uk, uh, where you can always find all of the links for subscribing to iTunes, subscribing to tune in or if you just want to download directly from the website you can do that too uh, so thanks very much for listening guys it's been a pleasure as always and we will see you in a couple of weeks for that finale episode cheers for listening bye bye goodbye